Lord, we thank you for the way you move in our hearts. We invite you to just keep keep doing it right where we're at, that you would just continue to release a flood. transition into the message, but that doesn't mean we're transitioning from this space. You know, I I love the way that the Holy Spirit moves because he just keeps working and he doesn't really require us to do much. Isn't that amazing? And so we're just going to kind of keep this atmosphere. And if the Lord is speaking to you, you don't have to listen to a word I say. I would rather have you listen to his voice than mine. And so just kind of stay in that place um, because I think, I think the message is going to take us uh, to the same, the same thing. So we're going to be back. And I feel like the Lord has a very specific word for us this morning. And as I was preparing early in the week, uh, I thought I was going to finally share a message that has been like rolling around in my spirit since early in the year. And I was like, yes, it's finally like I, like I feel like God has something to say and I'm finally going to release that. But the Lord changed it on me midweek and I oh I didn't expect a wave of emotion I've spent a lot of time praying for my dear friends this week who are experiencing the unthinkable And as I was praying for them, I I found myself praying one of the names of God. And I just will say for the reference, this message isn't for you. And I, as I prayed that name, it kept coming up to me, not just for them. It was like, I, I went and read it in the scripture and I was undone. And as I began to pray for other people, I began to just hear the Lord saying it. And you know, like sometimes you're like, I think God might be saying something. I don't know. Maybe it's just me that's that thick. It just takes a while, you know. Um, And if you're not aware, there are so many different names of God in the Bible. It's fascinating. If you want to know some of them, just read Genesis. Um, Because there's so many amazing encounters that happen And some of the names are given to God by people and others are that God gives himself when he reveals himself, but all of them kind of highlight his heart and who he is. And the name of God that came to me uh, this week was one 
that was released in the middle of high drama and heartache and confusion and failure and disappointment and despair. And seriously, it's like soap opera level. This story in the Bible where God's name is released. Does that sound like anything anyone's been facing recently? All right, then that's good news for you, all right? Because God has something to say. So we're going to jump just right into the text in Genesis chapter 16. Are you guys ready? You, no one even needs to watch any kind of trashy soap opera after this because this is, just read your Bible. There are so many interesting, interesting stories in here, okay? Now, I want to give a little bit of, of backstory before we jump right in in verse 1. Abraham, what? Oh. I will be reading from the New Living Translation today. (laughs) Pastor John just needs to know sometimes. Uh, But let me give you uh, a little bit of context before we jump in. God has shown up to this man named Abram. And he has released like a very large promise and made a covenant with this man. Saying that he would give him a land. That he would give him children And he was an old man and didn't have children yet. But he said, your descendants will be as many as the grains of sand or as the stars in the sky. And I'm going to bless the whole world through your family. So he he shows up and he gives them this huge promise. And you're like, yes. All right. So that's, this is kind of where they are. You have Abram and Sarai as his wife. They're a little seasoned. They're kind of old. And this is where we pick up post-covenant with the Lord. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, I have a brilliant idea. No, just, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And? Abram agreed with the proposal. See what I'm saying? Soap opera. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. So Abram had sexual relationship with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. I feel like there should be dramatic music when you read this. Then Sarai said to Abraham, this is your fault. No mind that it was her idea, right? This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Like, I won't comment. Abraham replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. 
And then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. So this is messy. As things birthed out of our own effort usually are. See, we have a a woman who hears something from God. And instead of waiting for him, she decides to play God. And then she gets defensive and bitter when her plan plays out in front of her. And then you have Hagar, who is so mistreated that she just runs away in despair, abandoning everything, and finds herself in the wilderness. So this is like a a crazy story. And if you just want one little lesson from this section is, hey, don't try to fulfill God's promises out of human effort. Don't do it yourself. So Hagar leaves because she can't take it anymore. She's in complete despair. And in the wilderness, she's set up for this encounter with the Lord. So we're going to pick up in in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you're now pregnant and will give birth to a son and you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. And this son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey, and he will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. And thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are El Roi. You are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Lahai Roi, which means the well of the living one who sees me. And it can still be found today. So Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old. When Ishmael was born. I I love how personal God is. He comes and he addresses Hagar by her name. and, And her title really. Sarai, Hagar's servant. 
or uh, Hagar, Sarai's servant. Thanks for keeping me on my toes. And then he asks a question not because he needed the answer, but because she did. Where have you come from? And where are you going? See, sometimes in our life, we, we can be very similar to Hagar. We get so wounded by where we come from that we actually aren't going anywhere. We're just running away. And that's what she says. She doesn't say where she's going because she doesn't know. She's just going away from where she came from. So Hagar leaves this encounter with God, with instructions to return and submit to the authority that was mistreating her. But in the midst of it, God has shown himself as one who hears and one who sees. And he shows up and he he shows himself faithful even in the consequences of the human effort to fulfill his promise. Because when God makes a covenant, he keeps his word. And this was to be a son of Abram. So he doesn't just leave her hanging in the desert like, sorry, this isn't the promise, son. Good luck in the wilderness. No, he comes and he sees her. She leaves that encounter even after, I mean, you know, it's not like it was like amazing news that the Lord gave her. Like you're going to have a son, you're going to call him Ishmael because I heard you. But he's pretty much just going to be a wild man who raises his fist and doesn't get along with anybody. But she, she leaves feeling heard, and seen. And I wish that I could tell you that she returns and they hug and they all live happily ever after as one big family. But it's not the case, nor is this the last time that Hagar finds herself in the wilderness. So we're going to flip just a couple of chapters over. Actually, it's going to be chapter 21. (laughs) It's so good to laugh in church. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So in chapter 21... Listen to this. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah. So Abram and Sarai's names have been changed to Abraham and Sarah. Sarai. Did I say that? Obviously, I can't figure out the names. They were Abram and Sarai. Now they're Abraham and Sarah. So the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. 
She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. And eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. And Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. That's a long time to wait. Like they'd already been tired of waiting, tried to force it. And Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So we're talking now we're 14 years later at just the time that the Lord had appointed for the promise to be fulfilled. Isaac is born. Verse 8, when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son, but God told Abraham, don't be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. So Abram got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. And then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. And when the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. And then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away and said, I don't want to watch the boy die. And she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. And then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water and she quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness and he became a skillful archer and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. This story is so amazing to me because the first time Hagar runs away from her authority to the wilderness on her own and she's told by the Lord to go back and submit to her master and God hears her cry and he releases a name for her son and she feels seen and she obeys. And the second time Hagar is sent to the wilderness. She goes in submission to her authority. And this time, God hears the cries of her son. 
And this time, Hagar is the one who sees. Because her eyes were open to the supernatural provision of God. And I want to just pull a couple of things from here and make some application. See, the things that you experience in the wilderness and when God shows up and releases things to you, it's never wasted. It creates legacy for the next generation. Because Hagar has lived in the wilderness. The Lord has heard her cry. She has responded to him. Now she is crying in the wilderness the second time, but the word says, and God hears the cry of the boy. It's her son that God hears this time. So sometimes there's, there's legacy that is created in us in, in the driest, hardest seasons of our lives. You are learning to hear something from the Lord and everything that he releases in you can become a heritage for the next generations. See, we must never bow to the lie that the Christian life is without suffering. Without hardship or trauma or tension. But we must awaken to the truth that we serve a God who sees us. In the middle of it. And shows up. You want to know why some people serve the Lord until they hit something that is so hard and then they just throw it all away and run from Jesus? Because they have no theology for suffering. The gospel is not about just like coming to Jesus and everything is happy and fine. It doesn't run like a Disney movie every single time. There is a happily ever after, but it's not till heaven. And until then, man, there is some pain. And we have to be people who create room for the suffering in our lives where we still encounter a God who sees us. Who sees us in the darkest moments and releases a word who releases hope to our hearts, who gives us the ability to move on, to pick ourselves up and keep going. That's what the gospel is about. Jesus died so that we could suffer supernaturally and go through the most excruciating things and still be marked with hope and with joy. with a God who sees us. He sees you.
And today I, I, I just felt like the Lord wanted to say, I see you. That he wants you to leave feeling seen and heard. That he hasn't abandoned you in the wilderness. And I'm going to share a story that's really tender to me that I've been trying to get out of for the whole time I was speaking. I've experienced El Roe. probably multiple times, but the one the Lord kept bringing in my heart, and I've shared it before, was the day after John's mom died. We were able to spend her last three weeks with her. And, you know, we were, we were waiting for a miracle. We really thought that the Lord was going to pull it out the last minute. And, you know, cancer is nasty and cruel. It just is. And I remember the next morning, it was a Sunday morning, and I was, we were in their house. We'd been living in their house for three weeks with, John's dad and John's brother and sister and their three children. So it was just a big party all the time. <laughs> and Evan was there th at that point too. And I got up the next morning and I was, I felt like Hagar, I am, I'm running away from all of you and all of this because I can't do it this morning. So I put on my tennis shoes and I went for a run. I was like, Bye. And I ran, and I ran, and I ran ragged. Until I was just heaving and weeping. And I came, we, we were in Colorado, so maybe the heaving was because of the altitude. <laughs> so it was beautiful. And I, I came and I sat on this big rock. And I finally was able to, I just let all of my emotion out. And I was just ugly crying on this rock. With all the feelings of like, this happened, you didn't show up, death hurts, this was nasty, you know, all of the things. And I had an encounter with the Lord that has, has changed some of my perspective. And I, I felt like the nearness of God while I was sitting on that rock. And I could almost feel like a sensation of like, I could picture him like holding my face, being face to face with me. And he said, I am for you. Right? And you think it jostled me for a minute because I was like, I was ready to be like, I am with you. But see, in that one moment, God was correcting everything that pain was yelling at me about the Lord. And he came to me in that, that spot, and he just, it was so tender. He said, I am for you. 
And it was like the drink of water in the wilderness that I needed. It was, it was not only did God see me, but suddenly my eyes were open to him of who he, he is and how, how big he is and the truth that God was for me and not against me and my family in this moment. I mean, I had to go back to the house and my mother-in-law was still gone and there was a whole bunch of sad people in one house. There was still a lot of things to work through and a lot of heartache and a lot of bad days, right? But there was something about meeting with God there where he said, I am for you. I see you. I hear you. So whether you find yourself in the wilderness because of your own choosing or because it's been forced on you by life, God sees you. He is El Roi. He sees you. He hears your cries. He has something to say. He is for you, not against you. And he has a strategy for you, just like Hagar, whether that's you getting up and walking out or whether that there is supernatural provision provision to sustain you in this place that you find yourself in. He sees you. He's the God who sees. And he doesn't leave you to just waller in your hopelessness, in your grief. And so I want to just take a time to just encounter the Lord for a minute. Maybe your circumstances don't change when you walk out of this building, but maybe your heart does. Maybe your heart does. Just like Hagar, man, she had to go back. I always think, what is that all about? God sends her back to a bad place. You know, the drama is still there. It doesn't go away just because God sees you. But man, it sure is a lot easier to go through life knowing that you're seen by God. Even when no one else sees you. When you've been overlooked. 
He's the God who sees. So I want to I want to pray over us, and I I don't want you to leave feeling heavy. I feel like it's a bit heavy feeling here in the room right now. Because I think the Lord just wants to release hope in us. And a joy. A joy to just experience his presence. A joy that's not contingent on our circumstances, but that's just from his spirit. And so as, you be, as you're feeling all those heavy things, be encouraged. You're not, you don't have to go through the wilderness alone. You have a God who will meet you there, who will supernaturally sustain you. He will give you eyes to see. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. That as we read this crazy story of Hagar, that maybe some of us find it so relatable. But God, you you see your children. You don't turn a deaf ear to our voices. Even when it's because of a mess we made. I thank you, God, for your unfailing love that is for your people. Even in the midst of a broken world where sin abounds and things look dark, you are for your people. So Lord, just where we were at the end of worship, just sitting in your presence, we invite the spirit of peace. Here, I declare peace right now in your minds. Peace in your hearts. I thank you for releasing revelation of who you are and where you are, Lord, right now. Lord, to any person who came in here with a chaotic mind or turmoil within that just can't seem to get it under control, we declare peace. We thank you that you are the unshaken God. We're so frail and it doesn't take us, take much for us to just start getting a little shaky. But God, you, you don't, you don't move in your steadfastness, in your faithfulness, in your gentleness, in your compassion, in your righteousness. 
So Lord, today, in this house where we have had so much suffering, that it's threatened to nearly just dry our bones out. I declare life right now. I just declare fresh breath over you. Lord, I pray that you would release encounters that help correct all of our fear and all of our questioning and all of our confusion and all of the things that we go through, that you would have those moments where you show up as El Roe and you release exactly what we need to hear. I thank you for supernatural provision of grace, of the ability to keep going. And Lord, we will stand and declare that you are the healer. the deliverer, the savior. Thank you, God, for fresh hope. Thank you, Jesus. And lastly, I just, I just pray that like the grip of pain and bitterness and anger and hopelessness would be loosened off of you. In Jesus' name. All right, I want you to stand up for just a second. When we were praying, I I felt like I I just saw, uh, first of all, you know, just take a deep breath. Look at your neighbor, be like, that was heavy. Okay. Everybody good? We good? All right. Okay. Uh, when we were praying, I saw a picture. I saw a picture of, of several, several people in here that were encased in like mud that had hardened. 
And I feel like the Lord is breaking up some of that. And the good news is it's not, you know, it's just mud. So all you got to do is shake it off, you know, shake it off. Yeah. Not like Taylor Swift, shake it off, just regular shake it off. (laughs) But if it helps you to do the motion, that's fine. Uh, So I want you to just do that. And, you know, if you've been in a place and you need a friend to do that, would you turn to your neighbor and just say, do it for me. Do it for me. So you can go ahead and brush yourself off. You good? You good? We're good. See, this is good. It feels good, right? All right. Sometimes we just got to have, like, God adjust a few things in us and be reminded he sees you. He sees you. And he's going to give you eyes to see. So I'm going to invite our leaders up. If you'd like prayer uh, for anything, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, uh, or maybe just this time today has kind of surfaced a few things that you're like, I could just use somebody to cover me and pray with me and all of that. Our leaders are going to be up here at the front. So please come see them and uh, go with fresh hope and vigor. Even if nothing is changing, you have. You have. Right? Even if nothing else, even if none of the crazy players in your story change, you can. Amen? All right. Y'all have a great week. Okay.